right, good morning again. Um, it's really surprising every time I look out there and see all you guys. All right, uh, we began this section last um, weeks ago. Uh, we began it in chapter 2, verse 28, and we talked about who the true Jew is. We discovered that the real Jew is not one outwardly, but one inwardly. The sign given to the Jew of circumcision was not merely the cutting away of flesh, but it was an outward sign of an inward spiritual act. And that act was God giving someone a new heart. And the real Jew loves the Lord with his whole heart, which is to say he has a ch he's been changed by God. God has given him a new heart and a new spirit. The circumcision not made with hands is the casting off of the body of sin. And that's the cutting away he's talking about in circumcision is the cutting away of the body of sin. And as we began in chapter 3, we talked about the advantages of being a Jew. And we examined some objections that Paul often had to deal with facing those who called themselves Jews. They were given the word of God and were keepers of it for many centuries. And now it is given to the church. Having the word did not give them special privilege as in giving them automatic salvation. Having it made them more responsible and in it they come, they could come to the knowledge of salvation. As the verse that uh, Eric read earlier talked about God's word is not bound. And it seems, from what I can understand, that in Paul's day, the Jews had bound God's word to themselves. I mean, they thought of outsiders as something not worthy to know the God's word. You know, they thought, they often described them as just dogs. And rather than doing what God wanted them to do and taking the word of God to the nations and proclaiming his goodness, they just bound it up among themselves. And even among their own nation, they, they had the scribes and the Pharisees and the, the leaders. They had these different groups that bound the word to themselves and everyone even if they were Jew they you know thought less of them as if they were something lower than they were they bound God's word and that thinking about that and thinking about what's that how's that apply to us today and this is all extra y'all this is it's just extra and thinking about that today, and we are now the keepers of God's word. Are we binding it from others? Are we just keeping it to ourselves? You know, years ago, it was a, a popular 
I became a cliche. We're just having a holy huddle here. Are we really looking beyond our group to those that are outside and telling them of the good word, you know, unbound, unbinding God's word, unbinding the goodness of God and taking it to the nations, taking it to our neighbors and our coworkers and our friends and our loved ones. <clears throat> so that we, we saw that in uh, the first part of chapter 3 that just because they were Jews didn't mean they automatically had salvation. You know, it just made them more responsible. They had God's word, and God's word could lead them to salvation. And what did Jesus say? You think you have salvation in the word? And those were the ones that are speaking of me. You know, they thought they had it. But Jesus pointed out, if you think you got salvation and what you think you have, those are what's pointing to me. Because Jesus is where salvation is. And we talked uh, more, a little bit more about the benefits of circumcision of the heart. Um, a circumcised heart loves God and it believes God it's faithful to God and we talked that the unbelief of some did not make God untrue so let's read the text Romans chapter 3 and I'll begin reading in verse 1 <clears throat> what advantage then hath the Jew or what profit is there of circumcision? Much every way, chiefly because that unto them were committed the oracles of God. For what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? God forbid. Yea, let God be true, but every man a liar, as it is written that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings and mightest overcome when thou art judged. But if our unrighteousness command the righteousness of God, what shall we say? Is God unrighteous who taketh vengeance? I speak as a man. God forbid, God forbid, for then should how, how should God judge the world? For if the truth of God hath more abounded through my lie unto his glory, why yet am I also judged as a sinner? Verse 8, And not rather, as we are slanderously reported, as some affirm that we say, let us do evil that good may come, whose damnation is just. So let's pray again once again father we thank you for your word and father we ask that you open our hearts open our minds to your word Father, we ask that you prepare our heart and our mind to receive your word and to apply it and to rejoice in it and to unbind it and take it to where it needs to go and Father, we just thank you and we praise you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. So Paul asks a question here. 
What if some did not believe? Will their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? Paul's answering this objection, and you can be sure that this is not the first time that Paul has addressed this objection. He probably had to address it everywhere he went. Every time he met with a Jew, the Jew says, what are you saying, Paul? What, what are you talking about? That, you know, are you saying that just because some un, or don't believe, does that mean that God is not faithful? And he says, absolutely not. I mean, God forbid. Never let it be. He uses a very strong phrase there. Yet it not be. God is true. And let every man be a liar. Every word of God will be accomplished. Every word of God will have its full effect. Every word will not be diminished by the unbelief of some. He is altogether faithful. The faithfulness of God is not changed nor dis diminished by the faithlessness of men. Just because some don't believe doesn't mean God is not going to be faithful. You know, sometimes we condition what we do on the faithfulness of others. You know, I'll do this good to you if you'll do good to me. Turn over in your Bibles, and, and Paul kind of expands on this a little bit, this promise, this faithfulness of God. Turn over to Galatians chapter 3, and we'll look at some verses there. Galatians chapter 3. <clears throat> And I think it'll help us to understand what Paul is talking about. He's talking about the faithfulness of God and the unfaithfulness or the faithlessness of man. And in Galatians chapter 3, it says, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath evidently set forth, crucified among you. What is the truth that Paul is speaking of? Let me tell you before we get there, I want to tell you what the truth is before we get there, so you'll recognize it when we get there. It is that we are justified by faith and not by the law. That's what Paul said, well, the faith of some or the unbelief of some make the effect of God Unaffected. So he's talking about faith is the one who is faithful. It is faith in the one who is faithful, Jesus Christ. The law only reveals our inability to keep it. That is, it condemns us. You know, trying to keep the law or trying to add the law to salvation or to the gospel only reveals that we're just sinful people. And that's the point of the law. It's to reveal to us that we cannot keep it. And that's what the Jews missed. They knew the law. They were taught it. In missing it, they bound it. 
They did not look past the law and look in between the lines and see the redemption that's in the theme of redemption that's throughout the whole law. The law reveals our sin because we cannot keep it. How then did we receive the Spirit? Was it by, the, by faith or by law? You know, if you are a, a, a Christian today, if you're saved today, how did you receive it? Did you receive it through the law? Of course not. You received it through the Spirit. The Spirit working in your heart, giving you a new heart. That's how you received salvation. Galatians 2, or 3, 2 says, This only will I learn of you. Receive ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. What does Romans 10 tell us? It says, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. We see we can't bind up God's Word and keep it from others. People need to hear God's Word in order to come to faith in Christ. Galatians 3.8 says, In the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. You know, in back in Genesis, where he talks about this, before the law was given, God promised Abraham that all nations through him would be blessed. In verse 7, Galatians 3, 7, it says, Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. You know, when we were kids in, in children's church, they may sing that song, Father Abraham has many sons. Many sons has Father Abraham. And we've heard it preached many times that we're children of Abraham. And it's, we're children not through our DNA, our physical DNA, that links us to Abraham. Because I'm sure that in me, there's not one corpuscle of Jewish blood but yet I'm still considered a child of Abraham. The DNA he's talking about is the DNA of faith. The faith that saves. That's what he was talking about. Verse 9, it says, So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Not one, no one is justified by the law, but the just shall live by faith. Verse 11. Then Galatians 3.13 through 16 says this, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. You know, as I think about it, I just remembered that when God was talking to Abraham, telling him about how the nations were going to be blessed because of his faith. He also said that it was through the seed 
And that seed is the faith seed. And he talks about one seed, and Paul uh, talks about that in this chapter we're in, that it's not seeds as many, but one seed. And that faith, or that seed, is Jesus Christ. So, to help you understand a little bit, is that this covenant that God made with Abraham, you have God on one side of this covenant, and you have Abraham in that seat, which is Jesus Christ, on the other side of that covenant. You see, you understand a covenant is between two parties. Uh, there was a good example I heard or read about. It's about if you go to a contractor to build a house, and you agree on a certain amount to build that house, say $120,000. And that's what you agree on. And you say, go ahead, build a house. I'll pay you the money. Well, it wouldn't be right or it'd be a breach of the covenant or contract for that contractor to come and say, you know what? Um, I missed a whole bunch of stuff when I gave you that original price and it's going to be an additional $30,000. So now your house is going to cost you $150,000. Well, that would be wrong. That would be a breach of the covenant for the, for the contractor to do that. Wouldn't you agree? Well, it's just as wrong if the customer goes to the contractor and says, you know what? For $120,000, I want you to go ahead and put an enclosed carport on my garage, on my house, and... And I want an apartment above it with a bathroom. And, you know, I want another wing on that house for a bedroom. But I want you to do it for 120000 Well, that's a breach of the covenant as well. It's unfaithfulness to the covenant. And that's like the covenant that that example will help us understand about the covenant between God and Abraham and that seed he talked about, which we now know as Jesus Christ. And he goes on in Romans 3, 4, he says, let God be true in every man a liar. What he's saying is every man is a liar, but God is true. God is faithful. He'll always be faithful. And, and saying that man is a liar is also saying that man is faithful or unfaithful. His faithlessness keeps him from keeping that covenant. Just like Abraham, he was unfaithful. He didn't have the ability in himself to keep the covenant that God had made with him. But it was a seed it was Jesus Christ who made it available. He's the man. He's the God who became man, became flesh, and dwelt among us. He's the one that was able to keep up his part of the covenant. Verse 15 in Galatians 3, it says, Brethren, I speak after the manner of man, though it be... But a man's covenant, yet if it be confirmed, 
no man disannulleth it or add to it. You know, you can't add to or take away from your covenant. Verse 16, it says, Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not, and to the seeds, as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. So I hope you see what the, what's going on here. This covenant stands on God's faithfulness and Jesus' faithfulness. And our faith is in Christ. Our faith is in Jesus. You see, the Jew could not see the law. They couldn't see through the law. They did not see the underlying theme of redemption. When God promised to Abraham, thy seed will bless the nations of the earth, they couldn't see they didn't see the redemption in that. They only saw themselves. The idea that one could be justified before God by having the law is blinded by the law and to the deeper meaning of the promise to Abraham that all nations would be blessed through him. In Romans 3, 4, it says, God forbid, yea, let every man, let God be true, but every man a liar, as it is written, that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings and mightest overcome when thou art judged. Here it is. All men are liars. All men break covenants. You understand from Galatians that the covenant was between God on the one side and Abraham, the seed, Christ Jesus on the other side of the agreement. Where Abraham failed in the promise, Jesus succeeded. Where Abel, Abraham failed, where Abraham's faith failed, Jesus' faith held. Where Abraham was unfaithful, Jesus was faithful. The promise was through Abraham to the seed, which is Jesus, the faithful man. And in all that, all of the unbelief that you see in Israel, if you look at the, the nation of Israel, you'll see that God blesses them and they get on this downward slope and they get into you know, persecution and they cry out to God and God delivers them and now they're in blessing. And you see there's the constant up and down, up and down. But the whole time God was faithful and he was glorified. And if you remember last time when we talked about this, that we looked at the children of Israel that came out of Egypt, up to maybe two, two million people that came out, there were only two that were faithful out of two million, Joshua and Caleb. But God was still faithful. He provided them manna to eat. He provided them water from a rock that flowed. He provided deliverance from a snake bite if they would just turn to the brass snake that was lifted up on the pole. He was faithful the whole time, even though there was only two in the nation that were faithful. Only two that believed. 
And that's what this section is talking about, the faithfulness of God and the faithlessness of man. But God will be glorified in all of it. He will be glorified. And today, if you're in that place in your heart where this doesn't make sense to you or salvation, you know, what are you talking about, Pastor Jim? How do I get there? How do I get to the place where I know that God is true? It's turning in faith and repentance to Christ. Because he is the faithful one. He is the true one. And it's putting our faith and trust in him for our salvation. He'll save us. So let's stand and we'll get ready to sing our last song and we'll pray. Father, again, we thank you that you are the faithful and true one. You are faithful even when we are not. And our, our not is always with us. It's always before us. We need Christ, Father. We need him today. We need him every day. We need him every moment of the day because he is the faithful and true one. And Father, it's only him working through us that we can unbind your word and take it to those who need to hear. And Father, we just pray that you'd use us. We pray, we ask that you would save those who are nearest death. You'd save those that do not know you. Father, we ask that you give them a new heart today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.